Today on Walk in Truth, we have a very special guest speaker, my good friend, Pastor John Nipper. And he's going to talk to us about the brevity of life. Life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. This is a very personal sermon. It's a time when we really need to key in on how short life is on the earth and how it should determine our priorities and what we focus on, and especially accomplishing God's will. We'll learn more about that today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. There's been a lot of people going to be with the Lord this year for whatever reason. Um, I guess one of the reasons is that we're just getting older. <laughs> right? So we're that just that much closer to going home and and, uh, and in the body itself, personally, I've experienced quite a few memorials this year. And, and for those of you who are on the prayer chain, you know that I have a very, very dear friend that I call a sister that has cancer, and they've only given her a couple months to live. So it, it's, it's always in the forefront. It's always going on. And, and through this set of scriptures, God has kind of made a new a realization, if you will, of how how valuable life is, and more importantly, how valuable life is with God. And we're going to see that, I hope. So we're in the book of James, chapter 4, uh, verses 13 to 17. Now, I've got to tell you that I just love this book. He's very direct and to the point. I don't know about you, but I need that. I, I appreciate that fact that James is so direct I need to be held accountable, and I need to be asked the hard questions. Now, I know I keep saying I need to, and I need to, but you've got to put yourself in that position. You need to ask yourself these hard questions when we start teaching on these things through the Scriptures. And as you know, if you've been around for any length of time, we do not water down the Scriptures. The truth speaks for itself. Amen, church? I can't hear you. All right, thank you. I just want to make sure you're still with me. I need to be confronted when I take the wrong path. And James does that. We've seen over the past messages that he's talked about a lot of different things. And each time he pulls no punches. He's talked about suffering and temptation. He's talked about response to the word, impartial love, righteous works. He even crucified our tongue, so to speak, when he talked about the tongue, humble wisdom, and, and now as we're going to look self-indulgent, our worldly indulgence. I don't know about you, but I was really appreciating the fact last week that Pastor Michael was on a break and Shane was teaching until Shane taught. And then I go, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to get a break from the, from, the, uh, from the things that I had to take a look at myself with. And Shane comes out and delivers an awesome message and it just continues on. So I hate to tell you this, but we're back in James. And I got to tell you, as we study this and put these things into practice, these self-examinations, for me personally, I begin to realize how much I need Jesus. How much I need Jesus. How much I need his direction. How much I need his instruction. And I would say even more important than that, how much I need his grace are you there with me? We need his grace. Would you pray with me, please? 
Oh, Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, for waking us up this morning, a day that was not promised. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to share your word. Thank you for my family that is gathered here this morning to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would fill each of us with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, that we would be able to hear, Lord, and not just be the hearer, but be a doer of your word. I pray, Lord, that I would decrease and that you would increase. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your power and I need your help. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to James chapter 4 if you're not already there. We're going to read through 13 to 17. Then we're going to go back and we're going to try to pick it apart a little bit. Verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, and we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing and to do it, and does not do it, to him it is sinned. So right out of the gate we see here, he says, Come now, you who say, there's a confrontational statement James is bringing. Come now, you who hear, or you who say. And he's asking him, there's a sense, when, you, when, when he's reading through this, or when he's conveying this to us, we detect a sense of arrogance. And only arrogance comes when we think that we have control over time and over the events of our life. It can happen when we think we got it going on, and we got it made, and we're doing all the right things, and we're doing it our way. But I beg to differ. The arrogance is posed as we continue in this, and it says today or tomorrow, there's a sense of, you know what's going to happen. We will go to such and such a city, spend a year there. Then we're going to have a business, and we're going to make a profit. What does the Lord say about arrogance? Let me read it to you. Arrogance can be defined as an attitude of superiority. And being full of self, hmm, ouch. Or having an extreme form of pride, it can be manifested in an overbearing personality. No any of those. That makes it hard for others to be around. They usually have an inflated ego and a sense of self-worth that is highly overestimated and an arrogant person can be presumptuous are claimed to be superior and all others are deemed to be far inferior and that they feel that they are much, much better than others. Do you know anybody like that? What does God think about arrogance? The book of Psalms has a lot to say about arrogance. Probably more than any other book, it says, the arrogant cannot stand in your presence, Psalm 5.5. 5 are in the presence, are in God's presence. It says, to the arrogant, boast no more, and to the wicked, do not lift up your horn, Psalm 75, 4. A wicked person will pour out arrogant words, 
All the evildoers are full of boasting, Psalm 94.4. But God will rebuke the arrogant for who are accursed, those who stray from your commands, Psalm 119.21. The psalmist also wrote, may the arrogant be put to shame, Psalm 119.78. And what will be the end of the arrogant? The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, Isaiah 2.11. We have a tendency sometimes when things start going well to think that we are in control and we have it going on. We become boastful and pride, prideful and arrogant. So when you see things like today or tomorrow, how does he even know what's going to happen today or tomorrow? Can he see into the future? Can you, you know, you can project, you can think, you can want to. And I'm not saying don't plan, or he's not saying don't plan. I have a planner right here. And my planner is full of stuff. But I hold my planner like that because it's subject to change at a moment's notice. I can't tell you how many times we have planned to do something and God has intervened and had us go another direction. You, I'm sure you can attest to that in your own life. You've planned to go to the beach. You've planned to do this. You've planned to have people over for dinner, whatever the case might be. And for whatever reason, the plans went awry and something even better came up. Something that glorified the Lord. Maybe somebody came into your life that you need to witness to, that you need to talk to. The other day, I, I, at my lunchtime, I, I go over to Butterfield Park and I walk. I walk a couple miles on my lunch hour. and As I was walking, I, I had parked my car under a tree. And there's not a lot of shade there. But my plan was to go there and to park and to walk and get my couple miles like I normally do every day. That's my plan. But God changed that plan when a car parked up next to me and there was a woman in there holding her head and sobbing and crying. So I, at first I'm thinking, well, you know, it's a woman, number one, but we're out in the open air and I'm debating with myself and debating with God. And so I take a lap around the track and I come back, she's still there. And come to find out she, through a set of circumstances, her husband died of cancer. All of a sudden, she's homeless. She goes, I don't understand what happened. Overnight, I am now homeless. And the city of Corona, she says, won't help. My point to this is that I had the opportunity to help. And I don't say that out of boasting. I'm saying as a simple example of how, how you can have a plan to do something and God brings something else in that changes that plan. And we need to be ready and available for that plan. So how could he say today or tomorrow? Yeah, we have an idea, but sometimes we get redirected. How can we even say to such and such a city that he's so sure about where he's going to go? We hear people all the time go, man, when I retire, I'm going to move over there, and I'm going to move here, and I'm going to move there. How do you know? Because that's where I would like to go. That's where I would love to retire. Sedona, Arizona. Yeah, baby, that's where I want to retire. But God may have another plan. He may die right here in Corona. Okay, well, if that's your will, so be it. Just stand me up in the corner. No, just kidding. <laughs> ah, you get it. I'm glad you guys are awake. 
So then he says, spend a year there. That's a year commitment. How do you know Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you a little bit about a college that we have going. It's called the Truth Academy. It meets at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's an apologetic school with also an emphasis on theology. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to share your faith in the public square? Well, this school will help you. And here's Joe Kelly, the director of the Truth Academy, to tell you more. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Boy, has there ever been a time where the need has been greater for God's people to know what they believe and why they believe it? Well, the Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So I'd encourage our listeners, Pastor Michael, to go online to thetruthacademy.com. Take a look, see what we have to offer. Our classes are available either in person if you live in Southern California, or if you want to take a class online, that's available too. You can learn from the comfort of your own home. Once again, that's thetruthacademy.com. We look forward to having you as a student in the near future. Thanks, Joe. That's exciting news. Thetruthacademy.com to give reasons for faith, reasons for hope in our culture. Man, it's so desperately needed. Check it out today, thetruthacademy.com. But God may have another plan. He may die right here in Corona. Okay, well, if that's your will, so be it. Just stand me up in the corner. No, just kidding. <laughs> ah, you get it. Uh, I'm glad you guys are awake. So then he says, spend a year there. That's a year commitment. How did you know you can make it a year commitment? How do you know that something won't come along in the way and, and change that plan? Engage in business and make a profit. How in the world? You know what? I, what if you have, how many of you guys? No, I'm not going to do that. I've tried to open a business and it didn't work. Let's just say a few times. But my plans were, yeah, baby, he's going to make money, man. I'm going to make money, my plans. And his business failed. Back in 19, real quick, back in 1980, 79, I wanted to drive the big truck and make a living. The big diesel truck, maybe. That's what I wanted to do. But because I had no experience, nobody would give me a job. (laughs) Silly fool. So I went and bought a truck. Didn't know how to drive it. Didn't, know, didn't even know I had to go call a friend to come and drive it off the lot for me. Because I, I didn't know how to drive the darn thing. So over the course of time, my idea was to buy this truck and, and to make money. Number one, I bought the wrong truck. I wanted to haul dirt locally, and I needed two, just a single axle for that. And I ended up buying a two-axle, which made, the, made it too long, so I couldn't do what I wanted to do. So then I had to go and I had to drive long haul, drive across country, which is something I didn't want to do, but that's something I had to do. The point being, and all that, and all that being said and done, I lost everything. Lost everything. Deregulation set in. A lot of, ex- lot of excuses set in. But it was something I wanted to do. It wasn't something God had planned for me. I wanted to do that, me. And God had other plans. So how can I say I'm going to engage in the business? What does it say about pride? There are so many proverbs that deal with pride. 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but the humble but with the humble is wisdom. 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. 
James, we talked about in verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it is God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 16.5 of Proverbs, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Do you know how much God hates punish our pride? Open your Bibles, hold your place there at James, and go back to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6. You're going to know this, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. Because I'm in control. No, I'm just kidding. God's, Lord, forgive me. <laughs> anyway, so look at verse 16, Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things which the Lord hates. Seven, yes, seven, which are an abomination. An abomination to him. Seventeen, haughty eyes. Haughty eyes. Haughty means proud, arrogant, vain, conceited, snobbish, superior, self-important. God hates these things as he continues. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. But for our purposes here, it's the haughty eyes. He hates that. He hates that when we start stepping out and think that we got it going on and we got the control of everything. When the reality is we have control over very, very little. In the big scheme of life, we have no control over our life as it, as it attains to life and death. You had no control over when you were born, and I got to tell you, you'll have no control over when you die. James 4.14 reads, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Turn over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> Verse 16. When you're there, say amen. 16. And he told them a parable saying, The land of the rich... Man was very productive. He began reasoning to. He began reasoning to himself, saying, "What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops?" Then he said, "This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones in there. I." will store all my grains and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So it is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. A lot of emphasis on the I there. And the eye was talking about himself. It wasn't not talking about God. He was trying to do this on his own circumstance. And he said, and God says, you fool. Your soul is required. And who is going to take your stuff then? I was listening to Chuck Swindoll the other day on the message. And he was talking about this very thing about a vapor. And he says, when you come to my house for dinner, you will eat on my good china. He says a lot of times people have this big fancy china and they put it up in a cupboard and they never use it or maybe they use it once in a lifetime for special occasions. 
I'll throw my wife under the bus for a second because I love her. Oh, it's not, it's not good. I'll clean it up. Lord, clean it up. We have a set of china, and I said, wife, why don't we use it? Oh, that, that belonged to my aunt, so-and-so, and so-and-so. What good does it do? Who, what good does it do to set in a cabinet and not use it? Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> many, uh, many moons ago when, uh, when you could go to Disneyland without refinancing your house. Um, I went into this store, I wanted her to watch. So I'm looking in the counter and they have all these different Mickey Mouse watches and different things and all that. And I said, I, I wanted to buy one. I thought they were really neat. It was Mickey and the, he had a dress on. No, he had a gown. Uh, robe. Yeah, let's go for the robe. That sounds good. He had a robe on. Anyway, and it was numbered on the back like, 80-something, I don't know. I guess they only made like 100 of them. So I, I bought it, and I told the guy, fix it up, I want to wear it. And the guy standing next to me goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? That, that's a collector's item. I said, dude, I didn't buy it to collect it. I bought it to wear it, and I bought it to enjoy it. So many times we do this, right? We, we take things and we try to do it our own way. We try to just stuff them away. So what will our life be like tomorrow? I'm not sure. I don't even know what I'm doing this afternoon. <laughs> How many can attest to that, right? Sometimes you just don't know. Oh, okay, I have plans. I might go to dinner this afternoon, but where am I going to go? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's not, that particular thing is really not that important. In the moment, anyway. Yes, I have thoughts and I have some plans. Like I said, I have a, a note planner and all that stuff. But the idea is simply this, that you have these and you hold them loosely in your hand. One of the ideas that's been floating around in my head is that life is but a vapor. And what that means and how it applies to everyday life. A vapor is defined as a haze, a mist, a steam, a condensation, moisture. And every once in a while, you'll notice that we have a haze on the stage, but it, it just lasts for a, a few seconds, maybe a minute or two, and then it dissipates and it's gone. And really, that's, that's much like life. In the span of life, a vapor is very short-lived, and it's gone and as far as earth is concerned, it's gone permanently. One of the things that I like to do, and some people will say, well, some people, have, some of you will probably say, well, that's weird. But if you know me, that's not weird for me. Some of the things I like to do is I like to look at old pictures or old paintings. And I like to look at the faces on them. And, 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 when I, and I kind of like focus in on one and I wonder, who is that? Who, who is this person that's in this picture? What's their story? Where, where are they from? Where did they grow up? What did they do for a living? 
What did they, what did they, what, who, who are they? And what I come to realize is that a vapor is a very, very short span of time and life. There's going to come a time, providing the Lord doesn't come first, that nobody will even remember, nobody on this planet or this world will remember that you even existed. That's heavy. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you a little bit about a college that we have going. It's called the Truth Academy. It meets at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's an apologetic school with also an emphasis on theology. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to share your faith in the public square? Well, this school will help you. And here's Joe Kelly, the director of the Truth Academy, to tell you more. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Boy, has there ever been a time where the need has been greater for God's people to know what they believe and why they believe it? Well, the Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So I'd encourage our listeners, Pastor Michael, to go online to thetruthacademy.com. Take a look, see what we have to offer. Our classes are available either in person if you live in Southern California Or if you want to take a class online, that's available too. You can learn from the comfort of your own home. Once again, that's thetruthacademy.com. We look forward to having you as a student in the near future. Thanks, Joe. That's exciting news. Thetruthacademy.com to give reasons for faith, reasons for hope in our culture. Man, it's so desperately needed. Check it out today, thetruthacademy.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.